Father Boric, Monsignor Farmer, Father Bianco, and all dear friends of life. In today's scripture reading, both Jonah and Jesus call us to repentance. Repentance, a notion that many people find chilling, harsh, and off-putting. A public relations firm might have advised Jonah and Jesus not to lead with a message of repentance, but rather with something softer, something more appealing to their audiences, something more likely to win over the public. The would-be advisors of Jonah and Jesus might also have said that, well, later on, they could cautiously introduce some idea not unlike repentance, but those advisors would carefully gauge the public's reaction to such a debatable idea. You know, come to think of it, if we were advising Jonah and Jesus, we might say the same thing. We might say, yes, down the road, repentance is necessary, but you know, if you lead with this, you're gonna turn a lot of people off and come across as feeling as unfeeling and angry, a scold, and nobody, nobody likes a scold. Neither Jesus nor Jonah would have ever followed such advice because they understood that repentance, while not easy, is something beautiful. Turning one's life around, turning away from sin and towards the face of God is beautiful. Yes, it requires that we uproot false ideas and vices. Sometimes it means we part with friends and colleagues. At times it means we endure withering criticism and almost always it requires that we undergo an emotional and spiritual catharsis. Yet it is this process of repentance and purification that opens our eyes to God's love and frees us, maybe for the first time ever, to embrace God's truth and love and to embrace our neighbor in love. Convinced that his mission was good and life-giving, Jonah went about the very large city of Nineveh preaching repentance. His missionary journey was all the more remarkable because Nineveh was not a city of believers, but rather the heart of the pagan Assyrian Empire. Nonetheless, everybody in Nineveh repented, from the great to the small. Was Nineveh better off for having repented? The biblical verdict is clear. Yes, it was. It became a place of peace and goodness and justice and love. As Jesus utters his first public words, repent and believe, he takes up not only the theme of Jonah, 
but also that of John the Baptist. Yet those same words, repent and believe, coming directly from the mouth of the Savior, are somehow different. As one author put it, he said when Jesus himself repeated those same words, he spoke them as the light that had dawned upon every people and over every individual squatting helplessly in darkness. Repentance, the same author goes on to say, is more than a call to moral reform, but rather is a recognition of the compelling presence of God standing before us. To transition from darkness to light, from sin to grace, and from death to life is difficult. But repentance is beautiful because it does mean that we have turned our face towards the one who is all good and all beautiful and all truthful and all loving, the author and the lover of our lives. In our day, any suggestion that our nation needs to repent is considered harsh and ugly. Any suggestion that our nation needs to turn away from laws and policies that violate human dignity and result in the destruction of innocent human life is regarded as inappropriate and even an extremist attack on national unity. Other voices would say that such a call violates the separation of church and state in that it amounts to an imposition of religious teaching on secular society. Yet when, when Jonah went through Nineveh, he called the people of that city to follow the law of God written on their hearts, just as the command, thou shalt not kill, is written on every human heart, no matter how confused or how muddled any human heart might be. And so it is a courageous and beautiful exercise of our freedom of expression to proclaim to those in power and to our fellow citizens the life itself is beautiful. And that therefore, as a nation, we need to repent of the destruction of the unborn. These little ones have the preeminent claim on our consciences, not because of political ideology, but because they are the smallest and the most vulnerable of all. It would be a beautiful thing to bring about in our society a moral reawakening that would lead to justice for the unborn and thus for many others who are vulnerable. Reawakening to the beauty of the unborn will awaken our love for their mothers, will help open the eyes 
of our nation to the dignity of the chronically and terminally ill, to the dignity of immigrants and victims of racism, even to those slated for capital punishment. How beautiful if we were to become that society that leaves no neighbor behind. Jesus' words, repent and believe, are even more beautiful and life-giving than Jonah's. For the one who spoke those words is the author and redeemer of human life, the one in whose image we are made, and the one who sustains our existence, the Son of God who assumed our humanity. Therefore, do not the words repent and believe spoken from Jesus' lips shine the spotlight, the spotlight of divine glory on the immeasurable worth of every person at every stage of life from the moment of conception until natural death? For any and all who would claim Jesus as Lord and Savior, for any and all who claim to be part of Christ's body, the Church, Jesus' words open our eyes still wider to the beauty of human life. For by them, we come to understand that God loves all persons to such a degree that he seeks to unite himself to them and to befriend them eternally in heaven. If we can agree that the call to repentance on behalf of life is something good and beautiful, then the question arises, who will deliver this call? In today's gospel, Jesus called Peter, James, Andrew, and John to follow him with the intention of forming them into his apostles, apostles whom he would send to the ends of the earth with his message of repentance and redemption. Accordingly, bishops who are successors of the apostles and their co-workers, priests and deacons, we must surely be bearers of Jesus' call to repentance in our day and witnesses to the truth, goodness, and beauty of unborn life and of every human life. Yet the call of Jesus to be his messengers does not stop with those who are ordained. The Lord calls every member of his church to bear witness to the beauty of life and in so doing to call to repentance those who lead and support the culture of death. As messengers of the beauty of life, yes, will be criticized, yes, will be resisted, but in the power of God's grace, let us persevere, undeterred. Today at this Mass, we will honor effective and courageous disciples of the Lord, who by word and deed 
convey the message that life is beautiful. Helvin Alvare, together with John and Kathy Stefano, as we learn of their unstinting work in promoting a culture of life, let us be inspired first to respond to the Lord's call to repentance, and second, to become ourselves messengers of the beauty of life. As we spread this message far and wide, we will be doing something good and beautiful, for we will be advancing in our midst, in our own time and place, the kingdom of God. May Mary, the mother of a redeemed humanity, pray with us and pray for us as we undertake our missionary journey for the cause of life, seeking to convince as many people as possible that life is indeed beautiful. And may God bless us and keep us always in his love. <laughs>